how our past lives are also influencing our right now. And the more awareness you bring to how that's affecting your current reality, uh, the more you can help figure out how to release or remove things that are no longer serving you. us to be diving into some things that not everybody's into and that's okay we're going to be talking about aliens the afterlife intuitive and psychic development as well as the energetics of the planet and everything in between we're also going to be exploring ourselves and our own discoveries as we are learning along the way together i'm going to be sharing a lot of my own personal stories as well as featuring a lot of other amazing humans who are going through their own experiences and their own magic to share so we can all learn and grow together And welcome back to Resonance. And this week's episode, we're going to be going into part two to the last episode that we did. And it was on death, you know, rebirth and the soul's journey and all of those kinds of things that were being, you know, used to help you acknowledge this information so you could bring it into your life currently so it could enrich your current experience and remove fear to some degree. Um, and what happens when we move on from this life, when we transition, and hopefully, you know, the word death is actually not really used in the future, and it's seen as more of a transition versus, like, just the end, the end of everything. It's kind of a, has a bad connotation associated with it, so maybe in the future we'll get rid of that, or we'll just change the word altogether, because the word death in regards to how we currently think of it in like a physical form, you know, it doesn't do the transition process service. And this then brings us to today's episode, which is all about reincarnation, which really deserves an episode all to itself because there's so much going on within it. Now, granted, I'm not going to be talking for two hours like I did in the last episode. I don't think I could do that again if I wanted to. Um, basically because I was channeling for two hours and at the end I was like so drained. I was like, wow, I didn't realize uh, I was, you know, as, as tuned in and channeling as much as I was until after I finished the episode and I could feel how much of a toll it took on me to do it for that long. Not saying that I'm channeling 100% of the time, but I'm definitely connected when I'm doing these uh, episodes, these podcast episodes. So there is definitely a lot to be shared beyond the words, but we already pretty much touched on that in multiple previous episodes. But anyways, getting into it, reincarnation is really important. And I have a lot of really personal stories to share um, that are really powerful. And I totally forgot about them when I did the last episode. And I was like, wow, I totally left out some really magical stuff that changed my life in regards to reincarnation that I forgot that I personally experienced and would be really beneficial for others. You know, and there's also lots of other stories out there that I want to share that I have either read or seen, you know, and they're really important in putting the pieces together for reincarnation because it really does provide evidence for our scientific, you know, logical minds to really start to make sense of something that is so out there. And before I really dive into my personal story, I want to kind of go more into what we're seeing with children who are being born right now or within the last five years, really, um, because of the energetic shifts that have occurred on the planet. It's allowing children now, these souls that are coming in, 
to remember so much more of their past lives. And this can be scary for a lot of parents because their child is suddenly like, you're not my mom, you know, and they start saying the exact address that they actually lived in, uh, you know, like in Ireland or something. And, and it gets really weird when the kid who's born, the soul that's just reincarnated, um, they're able to tell the parents about the actual parents they had before this lifetime, and then those parents are still alive, you know, because maybe the child died young and it was only like a 10-year difference between when that soul died in that body and reincarnated in another. And as we discussed in the last episode, for adults, normally when they pass away, transition, they normally go through a process that in the past was said, you know, between... 60 years or so when before a soul comes back and reincarnates um we're now seeing that this is actually changing it's actually being faster and whether that's because souls are really excited to jump in right now to get in on this change happening on the planet they're like i need to get in right now in order to be the right age to do this certain thing whether that be the cause or because of literally the energy has changed so much that it's actually easier for souls to you know, come back in at an earlier time than what was in the past. I think it actually, no, as I'm saying it, I can feel it's both. Um, both. It's yes, the both are the answer that it's both the energy and the fact that so many very powerful souls are incarnating at this time um, with memories of past lives for the change that is currently occurring and will continue to occur on our planet. And so this is something that's being seen in children. So if you have um, children and you know that they're having weird experiences where they're being very specific about certain things that they couldn't possibly know especially between the ages you know of two and five is really where this shows up to not shame them um, not to make them feel like it's all you know make-believe and basically trying to ridicule them for it whether it's intentional or not because uh, <laughs> you're not helping them with their process and it's creating repressed memories so just to be compassionate towards them and not it doesn't mean that you're not their parent in this lifetime but it will take some time for them to basically integrate into this life um, I had the, that episode on the surviving death I think was the the Netflix show that I was talking about in the last episode has like their final episode is on just reincarnation and they talk and share a lot of these details that have been spoken of in multiple TV shows before this, by the way. There's so many things out there on this. And so if you want to go more into the details specifically of the children coming in and how they're remembering things and how that might be affecting them in this lifetime, I highly recommend the uh, final episode of the Surviving Death series on Netflix that's currently out as of 2021 in January. So there's that, which if you want to go more into that specifically for the children, but I'm mentioning it, mentioning it here right now, because if you have a child that is having memories of these past lives, just to really be compassionate and holding space for them, because what I'm seeing in these children who are being repressed in this is that it's really uncomfortable for them to basically merge with this lifetime and they just need support while they do that and eventually they will completely merge with this lifetime normally i think it's around six to like 12 that they fully forget almost their past lives um, because either they were repressed or they're also integrating and for their integration they needed to forget because maybe it was traumatic you know so just to be you know patient with the children that's the first thing i want to state for the kids coming in now and new parents who are experiencing these things that that's kind of an important thing I wanted to place here. 
And now I want to get into the aspects of people who want to tap into their past lives right here and right now, because everybody has the ability to do this, whether you're the one doing it or there's other ways of going about where there's assistance to help you guide and navigate that. Um, I will start getting into my own personal experiences here because I have tried out quite a few of them because I was always drawn to this very young age. I mean, like middle school, high school, I was like, I knew in my bones that reincarnation was a thing, but I wasn't really into spirituality too much at those times. But it was just something I was interested in for some reason. <laughs> Surprise, for some reason. Anyways, so one of the few ways that you can get into it is uh, sometimes, I mean, this is COVID, so this is not really going to happen right now, but there would be circles where certain healing arts or psychic centers would host a, like an evening circle where somebody would be guiding the group of people laying down on the ground into a guided meditation of sorts to help them, you know, have visions of their past lives, a kind of like in story form. And that was actually my very first personal experience with trying to discover my past lives was um, I think it was like a psychic crystal healing arts center thing uh, when I was in high school. And they had us all lay on the ground and they guided us through um, like a guided meditation that helped us visualize, you know, our past. We're not not linear, linearly, but uh, like four previous lifetimes. I was going to say four past ones, but it wasn't in a line. They were kind of whichever one came to the surface to be shown was what was going to come up. So that was one of the ways that I tried to discover past lives for myself initially and I did have some luck with that um, unfortunately I had like a really bad cough at the time so every time I would be you know going into the state of hypnosis and exploring these parts of myself I was often um, disrupted with a cough which some could even say was because of uh, what was coming up was actually inducing the cough because I didn't have a cough when I walked into this, you know, place. And then suddenly I did and no one else there was having any kind of coughing issues, but I couldn't stop. And I also know that as I'm saying that it, it occurs to me that in my past, I had a really severe throat chakra block and I had multiple psychics and people tell me that throughout my lifetimes, I had people literally putting like, energetic blocks on my throat because they didn't want me sharing the truth. I was told like, the, I guess we're just going right into it. So I was told in previous lifetimes when I had psychics who were trying to feel like why I had this like block in my throat. Cause I used to have this thing fairly recently. I just want to say within the past four years where every time I get really excited and I'm talking like this, I used to get like a squeezing sensation in my throat where I'd feel like my throat was getting cut off and it would get really dry and I would suddenly cough and I couldn't talk. And it was so weird because I was like so happy and excited about what I was sharing, but suddenly it was like my, my vocal cords and like my whole throat just closed down. And it was so weird because I experienced that my whole life. Every time I would get really excited and start speaking some serious truth, I would feel my throat shut down and I'm like, what is happening? You know? And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that probably resonate with this because you probably had some kind of psychic attacks to you as well from past lives of speaking truth. So while I was in this meditation session um, with the group going, you know, being guided, I like was seeing these lifetimes where um, I was either like a, like a princess child in like Ireland and no one could hear me, no one was listening to me. And then I started coughing. I couldn't, I can't remember what the other ones I was shown 
but I just know that it, it, apparently it was triggering for whatever my throat blockage was because it was causing a lot of that to happen to the point that I just couldn't. At one point I sat up and I'm like, I'm done because it's not, it's not working for me because that was my first experience and it was starting to trigger these things that were locked inside of me that were you know, affecting my life currently, but they weren't brought to the surface until I had that experience. So that was my first time um, with sitting down and having an experience to intentionally try and figure out my, what my past lives were. And I actually forgot a little side story when I was mentioning children. I had my own experiences as a child as well um, with things coming up for me from past lives, but I couldn't make sense of it because it wasn't in words, it was in pictures. And I would see all these things and I just didn't know how they were connected. And I was like, that's weird. And I would say it occurred for me between the ages of like five and nine was when it was most active before it just started to disappear because I had literally no one to talk to about this. And I kept it to myself because I was like, well, that's weird. So I used to have this thing where I would like curl up almost like in fetal position. I would be sitting down and I'd put my knees into my eyes. Like I would push my knees into my eyes. I don't recommend this, but it was something I used to do. And when I would do it with just the right amount of pressure, it actually, I would start to see visuals. It would first start off as like static, like on a screen, like a TV static, you know, a channel that doesn't actually exist or it's not working. So I'd first see that. And then when I would like steady my breath and I would just sit with it, I would then watch the static like emerge into other pictures and it would start to be at first like really dim and hard to see. And then I would suddenly be able to see these crystal clear pictures of things with like with my knees in my eyes, you know, like my eyes are closed when I'm doing this, like my eyes aren't open, like my eyes are closed and suddenly I'm like, I see a TV screen in my mind's eye is the best way I can describe it. And I'm suddenly seeing these really vivid, vivid pictures. Like they're like picture quality, they're not cartoon. And what I was seeing in these visions every time I did this throughout my childhood were ceilings. They were beautiful, magnificent works of art ceilings. And it made no sense because like, I, I didn't, I don't know, I was a kid. I was like, I don't know why I'm seeing these, but they're beautiful, like they'd be like, beautiful round stained glass ceilings, stone ceilings. I mean, you name it. They were just beautiful architectural works of art. And I didn't understand why I was seeing them. I'm like, I feel really connected to them, but I don't understand. And I kept it to myself my whole life because I was like, I don't understand. I don't know what that meant. I don't know if I'm just imagining it. <laughs> and then, and then the day came where I was 16 um, I think I was like a sophomore in high school. And my best friend um, at the time had planned, her family was planning this big cruise ship trip in Europe. And her family said that I could come with them if I could get the money together to go, you know? And I was like, oh my God, I gotta go. Cause there was something within me when I was younger where I had the biggest urge and need to travel. Like I was the kid who was excited when it was my birthday. They're like, my mom and my dad be like, what do you want? I'm like, I want to go to a hotel. <laughs> like I wanted to go travel and just stay in a hotel somewhere new because I love travel so much, even in my childhood. So when I was 16 and I was offered that opportunity with my best friend, I was like, I jumped on it. I was like, yes, I, I just got to see how I can make this work. And so I asked my parents and they were like, no, we don't have that. But I asked my grandma 
And it was around my birthday time, and she was like, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for you for your birthday present. And I was just the most happy, ecstatic person possible. And I'm still so grateful for my grandmother coming through and helping me with this experience because it was one of the best experiences, honestly, of my life. So I was able to get the ticket and fly to Barcelona with my best friend at the time and her whole family. And we were in Barcelona, we went on the cruise ship. And long story short, the trip entailed starting in Barcelona. And then we went, I think, to like Nice, France, uh, Santorini, Florence, Rome. I think we even went to Naples. Um, where we went to Athens and then we went to Turkey. So all of these like ancient sacred places, right? I mean, at the time I had literally no idea guys about anything really spiritual other than the fact that like I pressed my knees into my eyes as a kid and was like, that's weird. And I also had alien experiences as a child, which I will discuss probably in the next episode. And so I had some weird stuff, but like I didn't understand it cause you know, at the time we didn't have anybody to talk to about these things. So I was just like, whatever, I'm into weird things. I just, I just, that's what I labeled it. I'm like, oh, I'm into weird stuff. And that's why I now put on my Instagram, uh, let's get weird with it, because that's the quote and that's the title we place on these things and I'm now proud of it. Anyways, so getting back to it. So we were going to all of these sacred sites and I had no idea what was in store for me when I signed up for this and everything just so you know perfectly aligned to make it so I could go and do this and have this experience, not to mention at a very young age that most people you know, never get to have in their whole lifetime. So I was extremely grateful for that. And the big moment occurred for me when we went to Rome. When we went to Rome, I remember walking around and just feeling like electric. I felt like, like my whole body came alive. And I was just so, I'd never been so excited in my life. Like I just felt so alive. It was so weird. And I was like walking around and I'm like, that's like one of the first times in my life that it was so undeniable that I felt like I know this place. I'm like, why do I know this place? I don't understand why I'm feeling this. And I'm keeping this all to myself, mind you, because I was just so excited. Um, I didn't really think anything more of it until we went in the Pantheon. Now, if you're not familiar with what the Pantheon is in Rome, I, I, I hope I'm getting the name right. I hope I'm remembering the name correctly. It's a giant dome structure. That's one of the oldest structures in all of Rome. And it was originally, they say, created by the pagans. Um, and when you look at the ceiling, there's this really distinct ceiling that has like squares within squares within squares. I think it's like three different layers of squares. And it's like a whole round ceiling filled with it. And it's the most magnificent view. And when we walked into that space, like I'm getting emotional just talking about it because it was so powerful for me. Um, we walked into the space and I didn't even look at the ceiling. I walked in the space and I, that's when the electricity really felt like it was running through my body. And I'm like, whoa, what is this place? And then I looked up at the ceiling and, and I started crying my eyes out. I cried so hard and I was smiling. Like, even now, I'm like, listen to me. <laughs> I, I was smiling while I was crying. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've seen the ceiling. It was one of the ceilings I personally saw as a kid, like multiple times. And I, and I couldn't like I couldn't not recognize that it was there. And it, and it was in my face. And I and I knew it and everything within me knew this ceiling. And I was like crying and my friend and her family are like, what's going on with you? And I'm like, 
I know the ceiling. I've seen this ceiling my whole, like my almost my whole life whenever I would have these weird visions and I knew it. And in that moment, when I was standing there in this space, feeling it, something else started to rise up for me. And I felt suddenly like I knew this place better than anything that was describing what its history was. It was like I was reading the things that were placed and how it was built. And I was, there was something within me that's like, this is wrong. <laughs> it's like, it's something within me knew a deeper story to this place on a very real visceral level. I was like, how do I know this? And it was freaking me out guys. Cause again, this was before I was on my spiritual journey. This was actually probably my very first real spiritual awakening experience before I really got into some of the heavier stuff that I just couldn't understand. I didn't know at the time that this was like a whole new door opening up for me. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I just knew that I was moved beyond words in a way that has still affected me to this day because I knew I had been there before. And that was my first real reincarnation experience where everything in, within me knew that I had been there before. And it, there was no, there was no doubt. There was no like, oh, well maybe I, no, like I knew it. And I knew it on such a real level that I was crying my eyes out because every part fiber of my being was like, you are your home. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so that happened. And I started to have that experience in other places as we were traveling in Italy as well. Um, the other place that I had a similar feeling to like that was in Florence. Um, there's a really popular place in Florence where there's a there's like a bridge that goes over a river and it's like one of the he most heavily touristy places. And that bridge also felt like so alive to me. I'm like, I've been here too. <laughs> Don't know how I've been here, but I've been here and it felt familiar. Um, and the third place that I had actually been looking forward to going to like my whole life was in Pompeii in Naples. If you're not familiar, that is uh, one of the towns in Italy that was covered when, a you know, I think it's Mount Vesuvius exploded and the volcano just covered all of these people alive in the town. And it's a really like sad, ancient place. And there was a part of me when I was a kid, I had this little book on natural disasters with like photos of different natural disasters. And, and one of my favorite photos that always called to me and I like loved it, even though it was really like sad and scary, was a picture of Pompeii where like the people are like literally frozen in time and rock as they're trying to run away from the volcano. And like there was a part of me that really just, I don't know what, re it resonated with me. And so I was always wanting to go to Pompeii to like see that place just because of like these pictures of, of it. And so when I went to Pompeii, again, I felt so alive. I was so happy. And I was like dancing down the streets of Pompeii. And then my best friends, you know, family and her were like, what is up with you? Like, you're just way too happy for what we're looking at right now. But I couldn't hide it. I was ecstatic. And while I was there, I think this was when I, no, no, that, that wasn't until I went back a second time. Never mind. <laughs> I went back to Pompeii, um, I want to say, was it? like four or three years after that. And I found the flower of life, like on the floor in one of the uh, buildings there. I was trying to be like, did I remember the flower of life when I was 16? I didn't even know what it was at that time. It wasn't until I like literally the next year, I think is when I started to learn about the flower of life when I was uh, 17 and then 18 was when I really got into it. So 
anyway, so I was in Pompeii and that was really magical. And I like, it felt like a homecoming. It felt like I had come back to a really special place for me. So whenever I, when I had the, all these experiences in Italy and I would just like, my mind was blown because it was just like blown and then blown again and then blown again. And everything within me was like so alive when I went to Italy that it was so intense for me guys that I honestly was like, this is it. I'm moving to Italy. Like I deserved to live here because obviously I'm so activated by it that like I should live here. <laughs> so because of these experiences, I therefore had an obsession with like moving to Italy and kind of made it like uh, a mission of mine at 16 after those, these experiences. And then um, we went to Athens and we went to the temple, the main temple in Athens. And uh, that was also a special experience, not nearly as powerful and moving for me as uh, Rome was in the Pantheon, but it was still um, a, a powerful experience. And then we went to Turkey and went to Ephesus. And uh, if you don't know what that is, it's also a very old, ancient place um, with a lot of old ruins. And that also felt oddly familiar. I'm like, I'm like, I just couldn't put it together. My little 16 year old head's like, I don't know why I feel like I know all of this. Like, it was so weird for me. I was like, I don't understand. Cause like I said, I wasn't into meditation or spirituality. I think I maybe just got into yoga, maybe. I don't, I don't even know. It was, I was so young. Um, and so it was this cre incredible experience going to all these ancient sites so young and having this activation that just woke the shit out of me, you know, it just woke me up and I was like, I don't know what's happening because we couldn't talk to people back then about these things because no one else was talking, which is why it's so important that we now talk about these things now. So, so that was my experience, um, with Europe in particular that really stirred up a lot of crazy things for me and experiences. And after that happened was actually when I got even more into the past life, you know, kind of exploration. That's actually probably when I got back was when I did that guided meditation that I shared with you. It was probably, that's the order that this followed. And then over the years, I started seeing different psychics and things as I was starting to learn how to develop my own connection. And I, every time, I was always very excited whenever I'd see a psychic shop. There was always a part of me when I was younger that felt very drawn to it. It was almost, almost compulsive. There was a part of me that would see like a crystal store or psychic shop and something within me was like, oh my God, I gotta go there. And then people would be like, why? I'm like, I don't know, I just wanna go there. And so if you ever felt that way, you know, this chances are this, you're meant for that kind of work. And I don't just mean psychic development, I just mean um, in the realm of spirituality, because I know that was really true for me that even at a young age, I was always like popping into the stores. Like there was one, um, a psychic crystal store, like directly across from my high school growing up. And I would hang out there like, at least once a week and I would go in there and I'd be that little kid that's like hassling all the psychics like hey can you like teach me something new this week because I just felt like I belonged there I felt like I was understood there and no one would judge me um for all the things that I was into and like experienced and would talk about I felt like they understood me they were my people even though they were all much older than me and um you know, they had their own ways of doing things. Um, but I, they did, they taught me a lot actually when I would go in every week and be like, teach me something new. And they showed me all kinds of ways. Um, but I think the fact that I was so drawn to these things was my first initial sign from my higher self, if you will, that was trying to point me in the right direction, trying to help guide me to get more um, 
information on what I should be doing moving forward. And that's when I started receiving different things from psychics. Like when I was paying for readings, I because I would probably honestly pay for like a reading once every two months or so when I was like in high school, I was so excited about all of it. Um, that I would literally have them tell me different, different psychics in different places would tell me like, you have a throat block. They're like, they're, your throat is chakra is super blocked. And some of them would be able to like look into it. And some of them were like trying to help me with it. But the one that really got to me was, um, she was like, oh, she's like, you were silenced. You were silenced in multiple lifetimes. And uh, she was saying that the particular one that she was looking at um, was the main cause, she said, uh, was a, from a past lifetime and like a Buddhist monk type of situation where I was a monk who wanted to share truth. But the other, I guess, monks on the council said, no, the, they're not ready to learn these truths yet. These people are not ready to learn these things. And I disagreed. I said, no, knowledge is power and basically that they deserve to know. And I was silenced. They took away my voice somehow and they put an energetic block on it for future, future lifetimes. Not cool, guys. Not cool. And I also understand on the other side of this that there was definitely, I think, a time where it wasn't safe and it wasn't okay to share some of this information um, because people weren't ready for it. I think that was true, even though for so long I fought against that. And I was like, no, I think everybody deserves the truth all the time. I have since learned that some information is so powerful that when it's in the wrong hands and in mature, like immature people get a hold of this type of information, even if they don't have ill intent, you know, they're just immature, that it's not a good thing. I finally, I did learn that. I did learn that lesson. As much as I want to help everybody and I want to share all this information, there is a time and place when something should be shared with certain people. And so apparently in past lives, I was severely punished for sharing things before their time. <laughs> and when this psychic told this like story to me of like what was coming through, everything within me again lit up and was like, res it resonated. It was like, oh my God, that is totally what happened. I felt that I was like, wow, like that makes so much sense. And you know, it's funny how these stories reoccur in multiple lifetimes of ours. Um, because that definitely was something I, 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 again, felt even in the beginning of this lifetime as I definitely felt silenced <laughs> in my childhood. I was such a actually very social, playful, um, energetic, creative being as a kid. And I just loved to put on shows for my, for my grandma and for anybody who would watch. I would dance and I would sing. And I was like that very much as a kid. And then, and then it started to kind of get shoved aside because I got bullied and all these things because I didn't have a low self-esteem actually. And because I didn't have one, those who did actually forced it on me to the point that eventually I did have a low self-esteem because it was needed to actually fit into the social group, which was fucked, you know, but anyway, pardon my language with that. But you know, that's how strongly I feel about that is it's so unfortunate that like most of the generation I grew up in and those before me, you know, this was kind of the social dynamics of our childhood. Anyways, so the story of having myself silenced was the story of this lifetime too, surprisingly. Um, it was always just like, 
being too weird or being too much. And I understand that it was coming from a place of love from um, some of my family members and that it was meant to be to like help me because they didn't want me to make things more difficult on myself because I wasn't working towards acceptance of everyone around me. And that was, you know, that seemed like a warning sign to family because they just wanted me to fit in. Well, P.S. I was never meant to fit in because I was here to, you know, help people learn how to be themselves so we can fit into our own puzzle piece versus trying to jam a piece that doesn't fit into a place that never belonged anyways. <laughs> you know, so that also became the story of this lifetime. But then when I gained awareness of how this had been not just my story for this lifetime, but many, many lifetimes before it was when I really started to do the work on beginning to clear my throat in order to speak my truth. Um, and I've had so much help over the years from both people and medicinal plants um, that have helped me clear, completely clear and remove these things. So now I can speak not only powerfully and from my heart, but also the energetics behind it that are really necessary at this time. So that was a really interesting um, story I wanted to share with all of you on how our past lives are also influencing our right now. And the more awareness you bring to how that's affecting your current reality, uh, the more you can help figure out how to release or remove things that are no longer serving you. And this then brings me to one of my favorite all-time techniques if you really want to dive into your past lives. Um, it's done with the QHHT practitioner. Um, there's a bunch of them out there. They're probably, there's probably one in your town or city where you're at now because they're so prevalent. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically a hypnosis technique that takes you way back, like deep into your subconscious where you're being guided to experience, you know, four past lives and also your higher self comes through at the end to answer any more difficult questions. And in case you're not familiar with QHHT, the person who created this technique, her name was Dolores Cannon. And I can't say enough about her because she really helped so much in the field of past life regression without even realizing it. I mean, she's the one who not only did these past life regressions initially on accident, then it became more prevalent. Um, it also led to her seeing and talking to higher selves to get the bigger picture on information on things that will blow your mind. So if you're interested in uh, some really big, deeper truths, I highly recommend you looking into Dolores Cannon and her books. I feel like I probably mentioned this in previous episodes from season one, um, but The Three Waves of Volunteer and the New Earth is probably one of the best books I honestly ever read in regards to spiritual information because it is so powerful and there's so many different voices and higher selves coming through to share some of the same information in different ways and it is amazing. I mean she has one on like higher selves going back and talking to Nostradamus, um, higher selves uh, sharing the story on Jesus. I mean it goes on and they are incredible, incredible, truly. Um, Anyway, so this is her technique and I was, you know, I read all, almost all of her books and I was like, I'm ready to have this experience for myself. And this happened, I want to say back at the end of 2018, it was at the end of 2019 was when I finally decided to invest because it is, you know, an investment depending on the level of the practitioner. It can go between $100 to $200 for like an hour session. So I came prepared with a list of all of the questions I've ever had basically my whole life in regards to like my throat 
and certain personal things that I wanted to know. And I also was asking, you know, about the ceilings that I saw as a kid. And the very first past life that she was regressing me into came forward super quick. So I realized that because I was channeling already at this point, um, because it, I was channeling for probably three years before I went into the session or four years or something, um, that when she was taking me back into the hypnosis, back into the subconscious, I like, I was there like with less, within like less than three minutes. I remember like she's regressing me and I was like already in the past lifetime, which was incredible, right? Because my first experience was basically a kind of hypnosis group thing and I didn't have great results, but that was also at the beginning of my journey before I even got into channeling. So then this experience was one-on-one -on -one more personal and the first thing that I was seeing was two lifetimes coming through at the same time. It was very confusing because first I saw the same lifetime, actually. That was the first one I saw from when I did the past life regression back in high school, <laughs> um, which was like a little girl in Ireland. She's a princess. I know all I could tell was she's a princess. She's a little girl in Ireland. She's probably like six or eight years old. And it came through again. And she was crying and she was crying and she was screaming and she's like, she, and I, and I go back to a scene where I see her like in a field outside of the, the castle and she saw two people exchanging something or talking about something that was not supposed to happen. It was in secret. And then they turned around and they saw her or me, I guess, uh, watching them. And I wasn't supposed to be there, especially cause I was the princess and I could go and tell, you know, my family. And so apparently I saw them and then they were like running after me and I ran into the castle and I ran to uh, the king and the queen and my mom and dad or whatever. And I was telling them and I was screaming. I'm like, they're coming. They're coming. I don't know. I don't remember what else I was saying, but basically like they're coming. Oh my God, we need to go. We need to do something. We need to send people. And I was freaking out and they all just looked at me like like condescending like stupid little child and they were like you just go back to your room they just totally disregarded me and what i was trying to share and they're like just go play and i remember i think i ran to like a barn or something so the next image i saw was like i was in a barn and there was like this crate and there was like a ticking sound and i'm just screaming and crying and running around because i'm just so upset because like i know something bad's about to happen and no one's listening and then it ends basically i died so like I think it was like the, an, an enemy uh, group somewhere came and invaded and killed everybody and I died along with them even though I had warned them in advance and they just didn't listen. So that was the first lifetime I was shown of not being heard. And then the second one that was coming in at the same time was <laughs> the experience of me as a caterpillar. Cause like, okay, let me just put this out there. Um, reincarnation isn't just as being a human. From my understanding of what resonated with me is actually you reincarnate as every single living being and like living life form, even like rocks on the whole, like everything on the planet, you've been everything before you were a human. So basically you've been a bird, you've been a worm, you know, you've been the grass, you've been the trees. You go through all of these lifetimes as these things and most of which are much shorter, mind you, than an earth lifetime. And you go through all of them, that way you can have these experiences before you come in as like the hardest one of all, the hardest task of all, which is being a human. 
So you can have past life experiences being something other than human on Earth, or it could be extraterrestrial depending on what your subconscious or higher self, I should say, uh, wants to show you. So while I was seeing this Irish princess that basically was slaughtered, I was also seeing this butterfly caterpillar life and I was experiencing it while I was seeing it. So I was seeing the, experiencing the life of a caterpillar going around eating everything and then I fast forwarded to, uh, to it being like in the chrysalis and completely melting itself down inside its own little cocoon and just, and it felt just so safe. It was like, it wasn't a fear that you're just, you know, basically dying in the process of this chrysalis. And then it fast forwarded to becoming a butterfly and jumping off and the experience of what it's like to be a butterfly and to just float around and fly around and how free and how beautiful that felt. And that was a, a much nicer lifetime to experience compared to this little girl who was, you know, murdered. Um, and when she, the, uh, the hypnosis practitioner asked my higher self why I was shown that life, I apparently responded uh, that I was being shown an ex and remembering the experience of being a butterfly because that was the process I was currently undergoing. I was being shown and reminded of how you're first a caterpillar and then when you're ready to transform you have to transmute every single thing inside of yourself and your cocoon in the process and you're you're not able to leave or go and do anything while you're undergoing this transformation and then finally when you're released you can fly and float and you're a whole new form you're a whole new being you're not the same version of you and my higher self was saying that i was showing that to me um, basically to, to tell me that's what I'm currently undergoing in this lifetime right now. <laughs> and this was like a year or two ago. So I was being shown and experiencing this to remind me of the process and that I've undergone this process before, but as a, a caterpillar. So that was a fun um, lifetime to be shown compared to the other one. And then the third lifetime I was shown, I actually just totally forgot about it until I just was like, what was the third or the second lifetime? And then it just came back to me. Um, was a lifetime where I lived, I think it was like as an Inuit. I was somewhere in the Arctic. I was somewhere in the Arctic circle, living like an igloo type of situation. And I was, I, I was seeing like a, like a normal woman, uh, probably late twenties, early thirties. And I was just an average person. Um, and then I had a husband and he, his job was to go out with the other men of the tribe to go and hunt whales because apparently this tribe lived off of whales. And it was a really emotional scene where I ran out to the edge of the water where they were hunting and I watched the, the whale was punctured and was wounded and was dying. And basically like it slapped his tail on the boat of the, the tribesmen who were hunting it and they all died. And um, this woman who I was apparently was very sad and distraught as she watched her husband or partner die. And uh, she wanted children, but she wasn't able to have children because he passed away before, you know, they could have that chance. So she never got to have kids as a result of this experience. Um, and then they, uh, the practitioner fast forwarded to another meaningful moment in time in that life. And what I was shown was she became an elder. So because she didn't have the gift of motherhood, she then followed the other path as a medicine woman. So instead of dedicating her life to a child, she dedicated her life 
to the wisdom of the world and of the earth and then became a wise woman who was dedicated to the practice of the spiritual arts and the healing arts and was sitting on the council with these other uh, tribesmen and was like the wise medicine woman of the tribe and uh, was shown her as like a grandma figure um, being like the wise woman of the tribe. And that was like what happened, what she, be what she became um, later on in her life because as a result of that experience. Even now sharing that story, I could like feel my throat tightening up. It's interesting because like there's still times when that happens, but it's a, uh, it's interesting just to acknowledge it because I can feel it when it happens. So, so that was one of the lifetimes I was shown and I was like, oh, that makes sense because I've always resonated with like um, medicine women and, and, you know, indigenous people and tribes like that always felt very familiar to me. And even when I do my art, if you ever look at my art on Instagram, um, a lot of it does look very alien and intergalactic, but some of it is also very native looking. I've been told by multiple people, they're like, oh, you studied Native American art or some other indigenous tribe from somewhere else in the world. I'm like, no, what are you talking about? They're like, the art that you do is the same as, and then they would name whatever, you know, the tribe is. And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> so it's something that I'm actually very connected with and it comes through often in my art. So it was really fun to see that lifetime and experience it and know that there are roots back with that. And then came the third lifetime. And this was a really big and important one for me to see because this was like the first one. This was a lifetime that I had multiple times seen visions of, but in instead of like having that vision from the first one, like in the guided meditation session, this third lifetime that was coming through was something that I had visions of in multiple dreams. It was like I kept having visions in my sleep in my dream state about this entire experience and I just couldn't understand why I kept being shown the story when I had it in dreams. I'm like, I don't know why I'm seeing this. It doesn't make sense to me. But it felt very important. It felt very relevant, but I couldn't understand why I was seeing it. And actually these dreams were occurring when I was writing my book and I'm gonna be publishing it soon. It's a fiction book called The Immeasurables. And it's based on a parallel timeline of Earth and it's an incredible spiritual story that is everything I always wanted in an amazing spiritual fiction book. And it's fiction, but it's not really. Um, there's a lot of truth to it behind the fiction. Anywho, while I was writing that book, all of these crazy dreams were coming up for me night after night while I was writing it. And like, they were dreams showing me like what to write in the book. And the weird thing is, um, once I finished the book and I started reading it, um, going back over it, I was like, oh my God, I was actually writing a story, partially a story about myself. Not the whole, not everything in the story is about me, but there's a lot of it there that is like, I'm telling a story that I know somehow I know it and some parts of it, some parts of it are me. And so that's the incredible thing about writing a story, you know, is what's coming through you is either a message for everyone or your own story and a message for everyone. So it's really a fun um, intuitive process to go through when writing your own book. Anywho, so in this third lifetime that was coming through was something I was repeatedly seeing and it was a scene in Egypt. And I was actually getting, um, background stories before I see the main vision of the story of what was going on. And it was incredible to experience. So basically this lifetime, I was a man 
and I was some kind of emperor. I don't think I was a pharaoh. I don't know what I was, but I was some kind of important man in Egypt, and I couldn't tell you the time period. I just know that the pyramids were still a thing, but I'm not sure how far back it, it went. It didn't feel like it was super far back to like when, you know, Ra and Thoth and all of them were around. It doesn't feel like it was that far back, but it was somewhere after that. So I was some kind of man of power in Egypt and I was being shown a scene where I was with my son and my son felt like a disappointment, like in this vision of what I was experiencing, it felt like he just repeatedly was like letting me down on like my own expectations, which weren't good by the way, but I was feeling and experiencing it through this um, version of myself. And, and it's funny because, I mean, it's not funny, but what's interesting about it is the son that I had in this lifetime, I immediately recognized his energy as my father. I immediately was like, this was my dad but as my son in this lifetime, <laughs> and I was an asshole. Um, and I was shown the first scene was me and like, I was a part of a mystic school. I was a part of one of the mystery schools, obviously as like, uh, you know, the emperor or whatever, I'd be a part of it, you know, you would think anyways. And there was the council and it was in a really dark, dim lit room. And the council was seated in a circular fashion in this like circular room. And it, the meeting was in, uh, in session for whether my son should be joining the mystery school. And everybody in the circle all agreed that he should be in the mystery school. And I was the only one who actually voted no. <laughs> I was the jerk who was like, I don't think he should be allowed. And the whole council was like, well, there's more of us here that say yay than nay. So we overrule, overrule you. And so they like, I guess they slammed a hammer or something. And they're like, it is so. And then they said that, that I had to be the one to teach him. They said, because I'm the only one who was the opposing person um, against this action, that therefore I had to be the one to teach him because I was the only one that felt that he couldn't make it. Therefore, I was the best person to be his teacher. Fun. So, <laughs> so then I had to end up being his teacher. And then it fast forwards the scene to obviously my son resenting me because I'm the only, you know, douche that was voting him not to be a part of the mystery school. And he, so he already like, you know, has animosity towards me because I don't see him as being the right fit for this. And in the second scene that I see is like, we're in another dim lit, clearly there's no windows type of room. Like it looks sandy um like stone sand walls and i see like a like an alchemy um set in front of me with like test tubes and all of these different types of things and i'm trying to teach him some kind of alchemical process and so i do the process and then i'm like and now it's your turn and when he goes to do it he just somehow messes it all up and like it like a smoke like explodes from one of the bottles <clears throat> and i just remember when I'm watching this vision that I can see like the disappointment, I can feel the disappointment in that version of me in that moment in time. That's just like already gave up on him. I could feel in the dream of this vision that I just, I gave up on him. I gave up on my son. I was like, what's the point in me teaching him? Like I could feel that was how I felt in that moment. And my son was also very disappointed. And then we fast forwarded to the third and final scene of this lifetime and in it I am shown the scene that I have seen it, I, I had seen at least three other times in dream state that I could remember anyway 
And it's a scene of me walking out onto this huge balcony and overlooking a massive crowd of people. And they're all cheering. And in the dream, it's like, it doesn't feel like a good thing. I'm just like, when I, when I had this vision and dream state, it never felt like a good thing. It felt like I didn't want to be there. It wasn't a positive situation. So then in the vision, I got to experience it on another level with a lot more background hints at what was actually happening. And the background information um, was that I was being forced against my will to go out in front of my people, apparently, to tell them that we're going to war because I was being blackmailed. And I was being blackmailed, not just by my advisor, who felt like a snake. Like when I was looking at him in the vision, this advisor was shifting between looking literally like a snake. So maybe he was a reptilian. I don't know. And between looking like a human, I don't know whether his personality was snake-like or he was quite literally a reptilian. All I know is that's what I felt from this advisor that I so-called, you know, so-called advisor I had. And then next to the advisor, apparently he teamed up with my son and they were both partnering together to my downfall. And they had some kind of blackmail against me that basically was forcing me to send my people to war. And it didn't make sense because I knew they were all going to, you know, we were going to lose. We didn't have enough people for whatever this war was and most of which were going to die. But I was blackmailed into doing this for whatever the reason. And it was important for them to blackmail me into doing this because by me doing this action, apparently I was loved by the people. So apparently by me doing this action of sending them to war, it, it turned all of the people of the kingdom against me. So by sending them to war and then having them die because I was forced at, you know, my hand was forced to do it, I was then punished um, by the people who basically were all like, boo, like they wanted me out. They, they were mad at me that I did this. And then it kind of fast forwarded to a quick next scene, which showed me where I was basically poisoned by my son and this advisor. They both poisoned me so that my son could rise as the next king and the advisor would be his right hand man and they could do whatever it was they wanted to do so i died and, and as i took the poison it was like i was aware of being poisoned but i just let it happen because i had already lost on so many levels like it just goes to show you how deep some of these uh you know people who are in power how far they go to make somebody basically crumble on every level so i died basically ashamed and sad and like nothing happened the way that i would have liked it to so i was forced to do something I didn't want to do because of something that had to do with my son and an advisor. And so it was kind of like another lifetime where I wasn't really being heard. I was being pushed aside so somebody else could step up and do something that they probably shouldn't have. So that was a second um, example of that happening in my past lives. All right, guys. Now, and this fourth past life that came forward for me is going to be a really intense one because this one is about as woo woo as you can get it's it's really out there but this is what i saw and experience so the fourth and final lifetime or fifth whichever one you want to count the fourth or fifth lifetime that i was shown um was a past life as me in atlantis and what felt like what it felt like was that i was actually a lemurian ambassador and that i was sent to atlantis to help with uh, something that was going on at the time. I couldn't really tell. And it was weird to have the experience as this being because it wasn't really human, okay? So what this being felt like that was the ambassador from Lemuria that went to Atlantis was, she, it was a she. She felt like a, like a light being, 
But not quite. Like, she lowered herself into the density of whatever it was at the time. I don't think it was third dimensional at that point. So she lowered herself dimensionally to the level of wherever the people were apparently of Atlantis. And so she was a physical being, but she also wasn't. And uh, what her job was is she was one of the original architects is what she was, what was coming through for me. And the work that she did was um, building sacred structures, the architects of these structures, but she didn't do the physical building. What she was in charge of was the energetics behind the sacred building. So she was in charge of creating the sacred sites and the energetics behind them that made them powerful. Like that was what her role was. And when I was feeling this experience, it was that that feeling lit me up when I was seeing this vision. It's something about watching this happen um, and this past life regression lit something up inside of me that was like, this is very important, pay attention. And what I saw was that she was, like I said, the ambassador from Lemuria to help with the energetics of some kind of sacred site that was being built. And that's when a familiar character showed up. Um, and this is going to be a really unpopular opinion that I'm going to share. Um, but hopefully this gets talked about more in the future because this is something I think that's going to be a new, new information for a lot of you listening, especially those who are already deep into this journey, um, that I was introduced to a certain being who was basically from the future. It was a very high vibrational being that had also um, lowered himself dimensionally to be at Atlantis. And he was sent there to do some kind of big purpose. I can't remember what his purpose was, but other channelers have spoken about um, him as well. And I can't remember his exact name because it was a really weird um, Atlantean name. I can't remember it at this moment. But basically he was like a super genius that had a lot of deep spiritual wisdom. And he was supposed to come to Atlantis to help the Atlanteans with their technology, which at the time, if you're not familiar, they used crystals and they had a giant crystal sphere and everybody had a crystal in their home. And at certain times a day, they would pray to this crystal. Um, they would use their collective energy to power the city. So this is how Atlantis was powered, was through their consciousness and collectively together, they would do this prayer with, the crystal energy to amplify it. And that's what powered them. So this um, advanced being came um, to Atlantis to, I think, assist them with it in some way or to help add to it. I'm not really, I can't remember the exact story, but he was supposed to be there as a good guy. Um, but then as many light beings that come onto earth suffer, um, they fall from their, you know, graces. I honestly think this is where the term fallen angel comes from is these higher galactic beings they're higher vibrational light beings and they 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 intentionally drop themselves dimensionally so they can you know communicate with the beings on this planet and sometimes they fall to temptation of you know the human experience and so that's what occurred apparently to this being is that the uh reptilians and some of the other galactic beings at the time who were living at atlantis that weren't really of positive intent uh, got together and basically got to this guy and were like, listen, we know you're here to do this, but we can offer you all the fame and all the fortune and all of these things if you come with us and you actually do these little tweaks for us instead. And so this guy got tempted and apparently he went for it. He did the thing he wasn't supposed to do 
And he helped these really bad guys. I don't want to say bad guys because it's not good and bad. He helped these people who were very self-serving basically destroy the civilization of Atlantis. And as a result of this, um, basically this advanced man being, um, he, where I come into play with this, my, my being of that period, apparently he was talking to me at some point after he had gone to the dark side, if you will, and he was manipulating me somehow, I don't remember the process, to basically giving up the light codes or something of that nature. He was, he needed a piece to the puzzle that I had to help access the, this, these sacred spiritual structures to harmonize, or not harmonize, to harness um, their power and their energy that I had created them to do. And I was not a fan. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> and I was silenced, of course. Um, so I had dealt with something happened, some kind of curse. I can't really remember, but something happened that basically I fell. I, I fell from grace or something happened and, and I died. And I died in that lifetime after whatever happened um, with this, this powerful being that went to the dark side. And I died very upset because I was the whole time fighting like that's not what this was created for. This is not the purpose of these buildings. This is not what they were made for. And I was very angry about this decision. And so then after I died, it fast forward to showing that shortly after the fact, this is when he basically took my, my information, my energy information of the codes and then he basically used whatever that was with other things to basically blow up Atlantis with whatever his weird experiment was he was working on. So this being was the one who was basically responsible ultimately for the final fall of the third Atlantis because in case you didn't know there were three different Atlantises which is why people all over the world are like no this is where Atlantis is no this is where Atlantis is because there was three different Atlantises but the third and final one was uh, off the coast of Florida and the Bermuda Triangle in that area exists because of the experiment that basically this man, this being that went wrong, caused a rip in the dimensions as a result of his actions. Now here's where the really unpopular, crazy information is gonna come in. This being who created this immense bad karma for himself because of his actions that went for, you know, um, selfishness and uh, greed and power, he had to reincarnate on Earth um, again to try and clear up some of the karma. He wasn't supposed to reincarnate on Earth as a human. He was supposed to do his job on Atlantis, help the Atlanteans evolve, and then he was supposed to go back to whatever time-space continuum he came from. But because he helped in the demise of Atlantis, and I think he died along with them, he had to come back and incarnate as a human, and he wasn't supposed to. And this is this is the... This is the hanger here. That being came back and reincarnated as Nikola Tesla. Yeah. He came back and incarnated as a Nikola Tesla to help right the wrongs that he did for humanity as an Atlantean. I'm getting goosebumps as I say this because this is some really important information that people, people uh, in the spiritual community need to look into and uh, meditate on for themselves because... I was one of those people who definitely was very drawn to Nikola Tesla when I found out about him when I was younger, and uh, I celebrated him. And it's not that he doesn't deserve to be celebrated, but there is a reason to his story that he uh, came back and did the things that he did and why he was so advanced and had such weird circumstances around his birth. 
such as the lightning that was going on all around at the time that he was born and things of that nature. He was not meant to be a human. He was an, an advanced being in a human body that needed to help rewrite the karma that he had accumulated. And for the most part, when he came back as a human that past lifetime, um, he did achieve much of what he needed to come here and do. So that's why he had all these, this, you know, technology and all of these innovations that were incredibly far and advanced before his time was because he was this advanced time traveling being from Atlantis that needed to come back and, and redo um, quite a bit. And the sad thing was that for most of his life, he was being tried and tested. Would he give in to evil again? Would he give in to power and greed again? And for the most part, he didn't. Um, he did a good job for majority of his life, which is why he was so poor and why they basically wrote him out of the history books and why they just say it's Thomas Edison who created, you know, alternate current instead of him. Um, so he was written out of history because they took away that, uh, that power and that remembrance that was what drove him in Atlantis as well. Because, you know, he didn't fall completely to what they, the whims of those who were in power that wanted that power. Um, but also from my understanding, he failed. Towards the very end of his life, Nikola Tesla made a turn and he did the things that he wasn't supposed to do that caused him to fall on Atlantis once again. Not to the extent, obviously, of Atlantis. He didn't blow up a whole continent and tear dimensionality. Um, but he gave in and he, I think, gave like a death ray. He gave some kind of technology to the government, they, to, to the government or some kind of powerful group of people. And he wasn't supposed to do it. He just couldn't help it. He just couldn't help it. He wanted some kind of acknowledgement for his work. And uh, the, be the humanity bested him and he gave in towards the end of his life, even though he died, you know, penniless and alone. Uh, he, there was a part of him that did give in towards the end. So he didn't, he didn't clear all of his karma again because he, he gave in once again, but as a human. Um, not as bad as, like I said, the previous time, but he still didn't quite clear the line that he had intended. And now to make the story even better, um, this is about to get real weird. He has reincarnated again, and he is currently alive with us right now at this time. The third reincarnation of the being that calls himself Nikola Tesla from his previous lifetime is currently here alive during this time. Now, maybe it's Elon Musk. I don't know. I think he's younger than that because when I listen to um, other channelers, they have also shared this information that the being known as Nikola Tesla from his past life has also incarnated, but they made it sound like he's young. So he probably is around the age of 10 or 12 now, or maybe in his teens. That's what it sounds like. So he's still young. We don't know who he is just yet, but you know, give it 10 years and we're going to it's going to really get crazy here <laughs> with him coming back and finally learning the lesson that he uh, took many times to learn. So that's some really big news is Nikola Tesla's back on the planet, guys, and uh, some crazy technology is going to probably come from that when the time comes. One of my uh, favorite channelers who actually speaks about Nikola Tesla and him reincarnating again is the Cryon channelings. And so you can probably look those up on uh, Google or YouTube. They probably, somebody has them probably put together where they talk about how Nik Nikola Tesla has reincarnated again. So 
that's not from my own channeling, but it definitely resonated for me. And according to my past life regression with that final story, um, I have a lot of beef with him. So I, <laughs> there's a part of me that hopes that at some point in this lifetime, I meet up with him again. Maybe it's a her, maybe it's not a him. Whoever it is that I meet up with them again and that we can work some shit out, you know? Like I feel like, <laughs> I feel like Nikola Tesla's energy of whoever that being is and I have some stuff to do and we probably should work it out. Um, so it's a funny side story that I wanted to share that's on a really influential being that I know many in the spiritual community celebrate. And I hate to rain on that parade, but it's something that you should tune in and meditate on for yourself and see how you feel. So going back to the past life regression ses uh, session that was happening with the hypnotherapist, um, after I was shown that fourth or fifth final lifetime for the session, I then had questions and asking about the ceilings was one of them and it made a whole lot more sense after I saw that final lifetime that I was experiencing and it was that my past as I was saying was being a, basically a light being who was helping as an architect of the light structures that I went around apparently the earth was what I was saying and I was building these, helping build these pyramids all over the planet. And that I was like one of the people behind it, building the energetic structures within them. I was a part of the ones putting in the light codes and all the things to activate people. That was my job. And that I did this in all the pyramids all over the earth. I don't know whether it was one lifetime or over a series of lifetimes um, as a light being. But what I saw when I was having these visions of answering this question was that there was so much disappointment involved in this process. There was so much sadness in my core when I was reliving these visions because what I saw similar to Atlantis was every time I would finish and be a part of helping with a crew of people like finishing the energetics to this to the pyramids, somebody would come along and fuck with it, basically put it short and sweet and I was really upset in multiple experiences of all these pyramids that were built with love and intention. And to see these other beings just come right on in and they just, they hijacked it. They were all hijacked. And after so many pyramids were hijacked that I experienced, I was done. I said, I am done making these pyramids and these energetic structures and having them be hijacked by lower vibrational beings. And I was so angry. Like as I'm saying the story, I can feel the rage inside of me of how upset I was that this was occurring because it was not what they were built for. It was not what they were built for. And I know that within myself. So when there's a, I know there's like a lot of discussion in the spiritual community about whether the pyramids were built for good or evil. Well, from my past lives, I can tell that they were built for good and then they were hijacked is basically what happened. And because I was so mad after so many experiences with these pyramids being hijacked for lower vibrational use and for control, which is the complete opposite of what they were built for, I swore off ever building um, a pyramid structure ever again. I swore off creating energetic um, portals inside of these places to help people because I was tired of seeing them being abused. And so what happened was, <laughs> this is where it gets really weird, guys. So as a result of me like swearing that I would never be a part of the building of these um, sacred structures ever again, I switched to building a different kind of sacred structure. And that's when the dome ceilings began. I started 
being apart. I don't know whether this was multiple regular human lifetimes or this followed this one light being. Um, but I was a part of instead building literal buildings because apparently my passion was to build sacred spaces. My passion was to create spaces for people to come and experience the beauty of God and to amplify that and help them amplify that. That was my passion in all of these lifetimes. And I still feel that as my passion to this day. I love creating sacred spaces. I love creating spaces that amplify the beautiful experience of being connected to one. And that's like one of my favorite things to do. It's why I'm a meditation teacher because you can create bubbles of this energy. It doesn't have to be a physical location, but it is important to have a, a, a place somewhere, some kind of location where you continuously have this practice of harnessing your own energy because you create a, a foundation energetically for that to be amplified in the future, regardless of if it's in a physical structure or not. So that is ultimately where these dome structures came from. And that's why they meant so much to me. And that's why when I was a child, I had visions of these ceilings because apparently that was my, my plan B to the fact that these great energetic structures were being hijacked. So that led me down a whole other rabbit hole of me then being like, okay, so that's the point of these beautiful temples and structures all around the world. Um, is they are sacred spaces like the churches, you know, that were their original intended use is they were meant to be a place of worship, of connecting with God, of connecting with your higher self and honoring your ancestors. And like, that's what they were made for because that is a crucial part of your human journey and experiencing beautiful, wonderful things is are tied and connected to that. You know, so if you've experienced a lot of depression and sadness in your life, I urge you to find a, spa a special sacred place and to do a weekly practice of going there and experiencing it. Or you can create it in your own house because that is what I feel so many humans are missing in their lives is they're missing that connection to the other side. And I feel like my spiritual purpose, maybe even in this lifetime, um, is to help people reconnect to these spaces within themselves and in the outer world that, you know, are for us to tap into in our human body so we can feel the love and we can feel that we're not alone. And so we don't have to suffer in that way. I feel like so much of that has been taken away from us and this continued uh, division and separation from each other, especially during coronavirus situation. Um, that has caused a lot of aloneness, a lot of sadness. And the solution to that is connecting within. And sometimes it's hard to just do that on your own, which is why these sacred spaces were so important because it creates a space that literally holds that energy and it can't be hijacked because it's just loving energy that's there. They can't use it. They can't turn it against you. You know, that's, so that was my way my loophole way around creating sacred structures that couldn't be hijacked anymore is that if it's just loving energy created by the consciousness in this one space and there's nothing really aiding or assisting in that other than one's own consciousness, like you can't turn that into the dark. You can't turn light into the dark. Um, you can't do it like that. It doesn't work like that. So it was the way to make sure that it stayed sacred. The only way you could ruin you know, a sacred structure is if you commit heinous cra uh, heinous acts in that structure of really dark things, you can then basically, that would basically then, what's the word? Um, 
dissolve a lot of that hard-earned energy and that I think has happened in a lot of churches to be honest so that's why I share this because it's like oh don't tell them I'm like it's already being done it's it's not old news so that's like the only way they can taint this is through really awful acts against um, another being and the light but the good news again is that even if these awful acts are done somewhere you can go back and spread the light and the love and literally dissolve them so whatever it's kind of like a game of uh what's it called Ugh, this is going to be so nerdy um there's a game called elder scrolls online and there's a team game where basically it's called like tackle the pillar or something like that where you have to you, you're assigned a color there's four teams you're assigned a color and uh your team the purpose of the game is for your team to basically um cover as many of these towers as possible with your team's color and you're fighting over who has control over these different towers and that is actually what is happening to most of the spiritual sites on the planet is a giant game of who can control what and it's just a matter of going in there and spreading your love and light and you can hold down that fort you know um or you can travel around the world and you can go to these other places and and, and, and save them, basically. It's, it's kind of sad, but it's kind of like a giant game of capture the flag is basically what it is. So I think it is something that is coming to an end at this point because the frequency of the planet is rising so much and is elevating so much that eventually these lower beings can't quite hang, to put it, you know, in simple terms. So they're all going to have to basically either raise their frequency and their consciousness or they're going to have to get the fuck off the planet, quite frankly. So like we're in a good place right now, even though a lot of people feel like we're defeated at this point in time. We're not. This is it's the game. It's the theater. It's the show. Things are happening as they're supposed to. So just hold on to the faith, like hold on to your faith. And I it's hard for me to say that because I know that word faith can be really triggering for people who have like a deeply religious background that maybe wasn't so positive but I urge you if like the word faith is cringy to you to really work on that because it's a really beneficial word when you look at it in its purest essence because real faith is actually what is required the most at this time real faith is when you have no doubt you know that everything is in divine order and that everything is well, even when the outside world is not confirming it to you. So having faith right now is honestly the biggest thing you can have, despite what is going on around us and the crazy heaviness we feel outside when we go out into the world. And so that would really sum up, I would say, the majority of my past life experiences that I've had, whether in a session or just spontaneously occurring in a certain location. Those are the main ones that I'm going to share with you today. Um, and this episode wouldn't be complete if I don't touch on uh, the Akashic Records and what that is and how that ties into the reincarnation story. So for those of you who aren't familiar, the Akashic Records is an energetic place that is literally stored within our planet and within every cell of your body that is connected to every single past life you have ever had on this planet. And that's a really big statement, but luckily a lot of people are getting into this right now and it's a lot easier to tap into. So I tell you this because if you're interested in your past lives, you can meditate more on your Akashic Records and ask your guides and your higher self to come through and to help guide you on navigating your own Akashic records 
And if you have, if you say this and ask this with a sincere heart, you know, you might really experience some really cool things by going into this. Um, I do have a word of caution that, you know, sometimes some of the lifetimes you might experience aren't positive ones, as I obviously shared with all of my, <laughs> most of my past life experiences, you know, they weren't necessarily the most positive, but they provide a lot of help and answers as to why you are the way you are and some of the ways that are both positive and negative for you. Things that, you know, have been holding you back and things that you could really benefit, you know, and help in this lifetime. So that's why I think it's so important that we do get into, you know, our past lives and to study and go a little bit into that. Um, but there is a portent, an important uh, warning, or I don't say warning, but more like an acknowledgement, actually, I want to put in here, is that any kind of past life you experience, uh, to make sure you don't get too caught up in it. Don't get so caught up in the story of your past life, because that's not the life you're living right now. Take what you need from it and then leave the rest behind. Like I joke about saying how like I need to, you know, meet up with the new reincarnation of Nikola Tesla, you know, to, to work it out with him with whatever happened in Atlantis that made me upset. But like I really don't need to do that. I kind of just share that as a joke almost. I'm sure there's a part of me that's still like I would like to. Also more out of fascination than I think out of like a, I don't want to say like a revenge type of situation, but more of like a clearing thing. But it's important we don't get tied to our stories. Um, because that's not who we are in this now moment, if you will. You know, that's who we were in some other quantum field it's occurring currently. And it's best we don't get tied up in it. We use it as a way to apply to our current situation, not to get hung up on who we were in the past. Because if we focus too much on the past, as we probably know from our own lifetimes currently, you know, it robs us of the future, of right now. And if we let it hold us back, how are we going to emerge and grow and do other cool things? It's just a good reference to help you evolve into the next best version of you with more clarity and more understanding. And there are some incredible also Akashic readers out there who basically do like a psychic ch like channeling reading and they tune into your Akashic records for you. So if you feel like you have a hard time with meditation or hypnosis, that is also available as an option for you to dive into your past lives. So I guess on that note, I'll say thank you all for listening. I know this has been a quite a wild journey and it's probably a little longer than I had planned, but there's a lot to share here and it's something I'm also very passionate about. And I'm really curious to hear if you have your own experiences or when you were a kid, if you had particular visions and or maybe you've gone and had your own QHHT session done. I would love to hear your own experience from this. And especially if you're having a hard time with it, because like I said, I struggled for my, you know, entire teenage years being like, I don't understand why I'm having these experiences. And it wasn't until like my mid twenties that I was finally able to get some answers. So if you need to talk to someone about this, you know, know that I'm here and you can find me on Instagram at the higher vibration. And I'm always available to listening, you know, and helping you figure out a part and a piece of your story if you're struggling with it. At the end of the day, I'm just really grateful and happy to be here and sharing this story with you and that we get to be in this space and that we get to share this because like I said, this is something that I know so many people who've experienced similar things and they just never had anybody to talk to about it. And now is the age of finally speaking our truth and can have all of those blocks removed, you know, that were put on us in various past lives to prevent us from coming forward. And now it's finally time to release those. 
So I'm really grateful that I was able to put together today's podcast episode and put it out there for anybody who needs it, because I know the world works in mysterious and magical ways. And, you know, perhaps you maybe this is the only episode you've ever listened to. Maybe you've heard them all, but I hope something within it has resonated for you and has helped you acknowledge or look into a deeper part of yourself that you might not have noticed before, because it's important that, you know, we access these things within us. And with that being said, I want to thank you again for being here and for sharing this space and for us cultivating, you know, a space for this to be shared and that just you listening does make a difference. And I'm grateful that I get to be here, you know, every week, every month to to share what's on my heart and what's on my mind and what feels really important to me. And if it feels important to you as well, I'm, I'm super grateful for that because, you know, I know we're all going through our own experiences and many of us are experiencing the same thing without realizing it because not enough people are sharing their story. So I'm grateful to be here with you. And this is going to be the uh, final episode, I'm going to say, in the normal series, even though this was far from normal. Um, but from here on out, it's going to get real weird, guys, and it's going to be me, as I say, get weird with it. I'm going to go pretty deep into some things that are uh, not not that common even in the spiritual community for the most part. Um, the deeper ends of it have dove into a lot of what I'm going to talk about and share, um, but some of it is, is still not quite known at large within the spiritual community. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about that because I know what it is emerging. There are at least a few thousand people who are aware of a lot of the things and have lived a lot of the things that I'm going to start talking about in the next coming weeks and months. And it's really important that it is continued to be shared. And that's why I'm, you know, going to be dedicating this, this, uh, podcast to sharing this truth. I mean, truth is of course perspective, but it's, it's the deeper truths in life on what's really going on in the world. And it's important for those who are hungry for the truth and who crave to know what's really going on, um, to have places where they can listen to different perspectives on this. I know that I crave this and that every time I find, you know, a new amazing channel or, or another podcast that is sharing um, other spiritual truthers to come on and share their stories, that I'm very activated by that. And I wanted to create a space to offer another perspective on that as well. So I'm really excited from here on out because <laughs> my next episode um, is either going to be a partnership with a really good friend of mine who is a shamanic practitioner, um, as well as many other talents and a healer in general in so many ways. It's either going to be with her or I'm going to share the next episode on my own personal experience with... Um, galactic family and you know extraterrestrials and all of that stuff and my own personal experiences with that I have been hiding in the closet for years because it's it's some weird shit guys it is it is <laughs> it's weird but I am learning to step more into that and to embrace you know my own experiences and my own truth in that because as I shared with you my past lives it gets weird it gets really weird and, uh, you know, so many of us have these experiences. Like my story that I shared with you guys isn't an uncommon one, believe it or not. Um, the more that people will begin diving into their past lives, the more you will find a common thread, if you will, of a lot of these experiences that I'm definitely not the only one having this, you know. So stay tuned because next episode is going to be crazy. 
um, when I start sharing, if, if the next episode's the one where I share my personal story on galactic family and extraterrestrials and all of that, it's going to be a doozy because it's a, it's been a long time coming and I've been really wanting to share it. But I knew that before I shared it and talked about it, like I said, I needed to have this conversation first um, to also give a little bit of background on my own past lives as well as sharing you know, the, the mystical side that is the transition after death and how that, you know, makes the bigger piece of the puzzle of like what our souls actually can do, you know, opens us up to more spiritual matters if you're relatively new to this kind of uh, topic, you know, these topics. So it was really important to have some of these other conversa conversations from previous episodes and such because there's just so much there. And those needed to be spoken of in depth before I could really dive into this next topic because, yeah, if you can make it through all those previous podcast episodes and you're like, no, those feel good to me and they're not that weird to me, then you're on the right track and you're going to love what's to come. You know, I think a lot of the previous episodes, the more weird they got, the more it kind of weeded out people who aren't ready for this information. And I'm okay with that. There was a point in my life where I felt, like I said, like I needed acceptance from everybody and everything. And uh, <laughs> that point doesn't exist anymore. Now I'm standing firmly in my truth and in my being and who I am and owning all of that. And I, as an important little note to put out there for everyone listening, the more you stand like 100% in your authenticity and who you are, like 100%, not even 10% missing, the more that you really are in alignment with that space and allow yourself to be in that space, the more you're going to attract in your life and not just people and friendships and experiences, but also in abundance in other ways. Because when you are living in alignment with your truth and who you really are, no matter how weird or strange it might be, you're opening up doors for the universe to actually flow through the way it was meant to. I know somebody out there needed to hear that. I get, and this is your permission slip. Be yourself. Like, really step into that. I know it's hard. I mean, God, it took me 10 years to get to this point. But it can be done. And you can accelerate that right now with the energies that are coming in. So take advantage of that. Step and own all of yourself. Everything. Even the stuff you're, like, ashamed of. Like, get past that shit. Like, own it. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You are perfect. As is. That's it. On that note, I'm going to say I love you, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day wherever you are listening to this, and I hope to see you here again next week. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in today's episode of Resonance. As always, it is my greatest joy to be here and sharing this space with you. And if you know of anybody who could really benefit from this message or somebody who you know is going through a hard time and could really use this, I would love if you could share this with them so we can get this message out there for those who really need it and it's their time for them to hear some of this. And as always, if you have your own incredible story that you want to share with me, I would love to hear from you. Nothing makes me more happy than hearing from you. So you can find me at Instagram at The Higher Vibration and do message me there and we can have a whole conversation on whatever it is you want. Again, thank you for listening. I can't wait to see you here again next week.